0: It's Monday, August 22nd, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynesy, uh, no game on Sunday. The Guardians and the White Sox washed out by rain. Again, actually washed out by field conditions uh, after some morning rain, and the left field area did not drain properly. Uh, after a three-hour delay, it was decided that the field was unplayable uh elton john strikes again uh, yeah <laughs> the uh the the concert on july 30th they resodded an area of left field and that's the part of the, the uh the grass that that just didn't drain well enough uh after several hours of rain uh to to let them play on sunday uh and and we still don't know for sure when that game is going to be made up
1: yeah benny and the jets won uh joe and uh the guardian zero, I guess so we, we got to score that.
0: I mean, if you really want to go down the rabbit hole of, of, of naming Elton John songs uh, for, uh, for this, it, it, I I would say the bitch is back and that's the rain, but you know, <laughs> uh, they, it, you know, a three hour delay on Saturday night and they wind up playing that game and, and getting it in uh, the, the white Sox win two to nothing. They beat Shane Bieber Uh Offense just doesn't get on track against Johnny Cueto in that game, and they come back, uh, you know, a few short hours later, and you know they they can't get the can't get things going because the 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 field isn't playable. Uh, I understand, and safety is your priority, and you know you can't put a guy like Stephen Kwan out there, and you know and risk a player's safety, uh, running around if the if the the mud and the water is up over your ankles so i i understand why they couldn't play uh it's just hard to explain to those fans who got there for a noon start time and and sat there for three hours before they they canceled the game
1: yeah and uh you know usually i think if if this was earlier in the season joe they would have you know postponed that much earlier and you know not really uh you know, put the fans through that to make them wait that long. And, uh, but not, you know, now you're getting, you know, late September, you want to get these games in and, you know, they showed that Saturday night when they waited so long, of course, they had the, you know, the great fireworks show afterwards. So I think they wanted to do that too, but but I think, you know, like you said, field conditions are field conditions. You, you know, you can't, you can't uh, replace, you can't fix those over in you know, in five minutes.
0: Right. Yeah. And and to look around the the stadium at the same time, the, the warning track had a lot of standing water on it as well. It wasn't just an area in left field. That wasn't, wasn't ideal. Uh They were trying to squeegee off the, 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 the warning track and, it just looked bad it was a, a an all around uh, just a disaster and you're right you, you can't you can't they've been complaining about the rains and the the weather all season and there's really nothing you can do about it but now we're getting down to a point where there's a little more than a month left here of the season and uh you you've got to start getting these games in some way shape or form they have a mutual off day on september 15th uh that seems like it might be the the best uh the most ideal uh day to play that game however uh I, I think there are some some issues with uh you know the number of games in 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 a stretch for for at least both teams uh we'll see what they decide to do with that uh could be an interesting uh you know finish to the season i, I know they certainly can't add on uh, any more games at the end of the season when they're playing Kansas City 6 days in a row Uh, it, it's just, you know, one thing after another with this weather and the schedule and, uh, they've got one doubleheader left. This is the, what the 12th time they've had, uh, a date changed or canceled on the home schedule, uh, because of weather, uh, out of 58 home dates. It's just a, it's been a a real disaster here this season with the weather.
1: Yeah, definitely, Joe. I don't think we we've seen one like this for a long, long time. I'm sure there was probably another season like this with weather, but I can't remember it. And just to you know, it just seemed like there was no rain for you know in Cleveland. People were complaining about it was so dry, and then you know we just get hit by uh, two days of uh, you know just heavy rain. And you know what can you do? You just gotta you just gotta keep going.
0: Well, my lawn looks really good, but you know that's yeah. about it. Yeah. Uh, on the off day or on the you know with 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 the cancellation, they 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 jump in the plane. They head out to San Diego. Uh, that's where they will open up a, a two game series against the Padres tomorrow night. Uh, before departing, uh, Nolan Jones is heading down to Columbus. He was optioned to the Clippers. Uh, and Richie Palacios, uh, had uh, it is not official yet, but. He's the, uh, the player who's there, who they're recalling, and he's heading to, to uh, San Diego with them. Uh, Jones actually last week had gone to Terry Francona and said, hey, what do you think about me uh, you know, getting a little work in at first base? Uh, it was his idea. It was something that he approached Tito about, and Tito said he was all about it. He said he didn't want to put too much on Jones's plate. But if there's an opportunity for Jones to get on the field and and provide a little more flexibility lineup wise, with uh with Josh Naylor playing uh DH a little bit more, uh then that's something that that Tito said he was all about.
1: Yeah, an interesting move. You know, Jones was struggling too, Joe. He was hitting uh one sixty seven, or one sixty one, I should say in in August, uh, 0 for eleven uh, in an 0 for 11 skid. So, you know, maybe, you know, I, I think, you know, these guys that have all come up, you know, they're used to playing every day from at Columbus and uh, now they're sitting, you know, now they're being, you know, kind of moved around different positions. You're not playing every day. And, uh, maybe that'll help Jones to just get back on track, go down to Columbus, work, play some first base, but just get some regular at bats.
0: Yeah, Oscar Gonzalez has really, uh, you know, been a major reason for that. He's he's taken over pretty much every day in right field. He is answering, you know, all sorts of questions about him. Uh, he's produ- He's been productive. Uh, the the injury missing a month really didn't seem to affect him all that much. So uh, and he plays every day. So you you sort of just want to leave him out there. Uh, I I guess you could have you could have thought when he came back, oh maybe. Jones will play against right-handers and and you know, uh, or the majority of right-handers. But it didn't seem like he was getting those kind of at bats or that that many starts. So, yeah, uh, get him more at bats in Columbus. Get him regular at bats. Maybe get him hot, like Tito likes to say. You know, send him down there during this road trip. Get him heated up, uh, playing for Columbus every day, and 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 sort of show him the ropes of that first, of that new position at first base. Uh, it's, it's interesting. Columbus has had, uh, they'll have Jones down there to play a little bit. They had Gabriel Arias play there at first base. Uh, he made his, uh, I guess pro debut at first base there. And, um, you know, he also played a little bit in the outfield, uh, this past series for, for the Clippers. So, uh, they're trying to move Gabriel Arias around, get him some flexibility and see if maybe he can come up and and help this team as well.
1: Yeah, I was surprised at that, Joe. Why would you play a middle infielder, you know, try him at first base? I mean, is are, is, is that in his future, really? Are you looking at him as a utility guy? I know they they really love this guy. Uh, you know, you love versatility. You know, they preach that with all their
0: players. But uh, <laughs> that seems a bit extreme. I, I just hope, you know, they, they really seem to have been, you know, yanking this kid around a lot. Uh, you know, bring him up, send him down, uh, you know, not really just sort of putting him in a position and letting him go, but that's because of what Ahmed Rosario has been able to do. And as, as consistent as he's, as he's been, uh, do you think maybe there's been an organizational shift in the, the thinking about Ahmed Rosario, uh, not just for this season, but beyond?
1: Yeah, that's a great point. You know, we've talked about it before, uh, just how impressive Rosario has been. Uh, and maybe, you know, and he's not like its he's 32 or 33 years old either. So perhaps, you know, that's that's what's going on here. And, uh, you know, you want to find out where, where else these young guys can play. And uh, it, I guess if that's the case, Joe, are are they talking about hey, a, could we see them make him a uh, Rosario multi-year offer uh, at the end of the year, try to, you know, lock him up?
0: That's, uh, you know, you you at least would would think what he's he's in his first year of arbitration this year, um, you would, yeah, you would, first yeah, you would think first or second year of arbitration, you would think maybe they buy up the the remaining years of his arbitration, and maybe have option on him after that, but uh but then you're 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 basically making a commitment to Rosario in, in the middle of your infield for the next couple of seasons based on what he's done these, these last two. Uh, and, and it's been, you know, pretty consistent. And I, I, I can't say I blame him. I, I kind of like the way the middle of the infield looks with Rosario and Jimenez, you know, sort of in those spots.
1: Yeah. It looks like uh, they really play well together and it's not like they're just one way players either. You know, they're both contributing offensively and defensively. Um, so you, it that looks like a solid middle of the infield right now. That's a that's a pretty good uh, keystone combination,
0: right? Uh, so you've got uh Nolan Jones going down uh to Columbus. We'll we'll see you know how much he plays at first base or how much he just you know if they play him in the outfield as well just to get him at bats. But but uh you know really learning first base. Uh Tito said this is a kid who, who came up as a shortstop and played. Uh, he was drafted as a shortstop, but he played third base mostly. Uh, in, in his early in his pro career, uh, you know he's he's a big kid, so you know why not try him over there at first?
1: Yeah, I mean definitely. I mean, you know, Will Benson is another guy that, you know, they could, uh you know, they could try over at first base. But yeah, Nolan Jones is six five, about 220, 230 He's a big target over there. Uh. And you know if you can play shortstop, you you should be able to you know have the footwork and and range to play first base. But you know it's it's a different position. You're on the other side of the infield with you know from third and short. So and you're handling the ball a lot more. So it'll uh, it, it'll take some time. But he certainly looks athletic enough to to make that adjustment.
0: Uh, in the meantime, uh, the Guardians last week, you know. Came back uh, a couple of games. Uh, really showed uh, th- their style of play and and the you know the the sort of don't quit philosophy uh, that that Terry Francona has instilled in this club. Uh, they they've really been fun to watch these last couple of uh, you know at least this last homestand in in the way of you know never giving up, never being out of a game, and uh, they they've shown it with a couple of late rallies. Uh, I think all three of their games that they won on the homestand uh, were in comeback fashion.
1: Yeah. They really, you know, they, for, for a team that doesn't really hit home runs late, you know, like those 90 clubs, those 90, the night, you know, the 95 clubs and and that, that club that went on a great run, they would win late with home runs with power. These guys do it with, uh, you know, blue pits, stolen bases, pass balls, or, you know, wild pitches. You know, they're, they really, uh, it, it it's fun to watch and, uh, they are what Joe 22 and seven in their final at bat 27 and 17 from the seventh inning on and nine and two in extra innings. So, you know, they, they, they really can, uh, you know, put the hammer down in the late innings, but they do it. They don't do it by, you know, knocking, you, knocking the ball out of the park.
0: Well, and it's Steven Kwan who really always seems to be in a position to, to deliver for them. Uh, you know, it always seems to come around to him. Uh, he come up with the, the big RBI triple on Friday night. That uh, was a uh, very similar to the, to the ball that he hit uh, earlier in the series where, uh, you know, these are, are like jam jobs that, that, you know, wound up bouncing down the, the right field line, perfectly placed. Uh, Terry Francona, it, you know, is, is baffled at how a left-handed hitter can, can get around on, on balls like that and, you know, have a, a ball bounce into the stands with a you know, reverse spin on it uh, from that side of the plate uh, in the, the game prior where he he had the, uh, the ground rule double uh, just what has Steven Kwan been able to do? And is it, is it, is it his approach late in the game? I, I think, uh, you know, he's, he's been, he's been really good lately just uh, coming up with those clutch hits.
1: Yeah. You know, I think he's, his, his approach is, you know, is perfect for those situations, Joe, you know, he's, he's short, he's got short, quick swing to the ball. He's going to make contact. He's not, he can run and, you know, he's, he's not going to strike out in those situations. Not usually anyways. And uh, you know, he kind of ignites that offense. I mean, we saw it uh, against, uh, you know, uh, Detroit, uh when they came back what they had they, they made three straight outs and then scored six runs and uh on you know six straight hits I think or six straight runs to to win that game. Uh what was that Wednesday night? I think that, that was Wednesday, Wednesday night, yeah. Wednesday night. And uh so it's really kind of an exciting uh brand of baseball but Kwan is you know uh just uh you know he's he's had a great year and uh you know I was talking to uh Chris Falakia, and he thinks, um, you know, he's got some power in his future. He's he, he's hit three home runs this year, but he says eventually, you know, when he learns to take more chances, when he, you know, learns the counts, when he learns when to take a shot and, you know, when to, you know, kind of get the head of the bat out, uh, he could be he could be a 10 to 15 home run guy a year, you know, in, in the next two or three, maybe four years down the road. So that was kind of exciting, I thought i think
0: yeah uh maybe like a like a cesar hernandez you know will uh, you know surprising uh pop you know not not uh all that often but you know picking and choosing his spots and, and being able to hit, drive the ball out of the park at, at times uh i we saw that out of hernandez over over the course of parts of two seasons there um as far as why he doesn't get the the national recognition i saw a tweet. Ah, uh, from MLB Network um, last week. And Miles Straw saw it too, because he retweeted something about it. Uh, but but uh, it was a tweet from MLB Network comparing Julio Rodriguez in Seattle and Adley Rutschman in Baltimore uh, as the two quote unquote, front runners for uh, American League Rookie of the Year. And it compared their numbers, and it didn't even mention anything about Stephen Kwan, who's basically been, uh, you know, at the front of the conversation for the entire season, you know, being on the opening day roster, uh, what does Stephen Kwan have to do to, to get himself in the national conversation and will, you know, this weekend trip coming up to Seattle be an opportunity for him to sort of, you know, force his way into that.
1: Yeah. I think it, it, it you know, more, more, uh, you know, more people get their eyes on him, more voters will get their eyes on him. you know, and, um, uh... But I think you know the one thing that 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 hurts him, Joe, is probably he doesn't hit for power. You know, he's he's not, you know, he's a he's a you know like a, a prototypical leadoff hitter, um, and you know what, Julio Rodriguez is hitting home runs, Rouchman's hitting home runs, uh, but uh, but you know, i but, get-
0: but really, he doesn't hit home runs. But that's why he's also his contact rate, his strikeout yeah. percentage. That's why he's a rookie of the year candidate he doesn't hit home runs that's it that's the the reason for it. he's nine percent nine percent strikeout rate when the, the major league, league average is up over 20 i i, I can't I, I it's hard to fathom why he doesn't get more publicity and more more sort of run about this
1: yeah i mean and he certainly deserves it i think uh you know when the voting gets done he should i think he'll you know, I think he'll, you know, he'll definitely get some votes. I don't know if he's going to, you know, finish in the top three, but I think he should, you know, I think he's definitely a candidate and, uh, you know, he should get some more run, you know, hopefully the guardians stay hot, you know, going down the stretch here and that puts more of a spotlight on him.
0: Well, if the guardians do qualify for a, a postseason spot, uh, it's going to be because of some of the things that he's doing at the top of that order. Uh, I think maybe the fact that he's got guys like Ahmed Rosario and, and Jose Ramirez hitting behind him and they're veterans who were hot. And uh, I think that might take away from some people's, you know, estimation of, of what he's been been able to do, but we're spoiled. We see him every day. And, you know, when he, when you look up in the seventh or eighth inning and he's got his second or third hit of the game every other night, you know, we sort of look at each other like, you know, what's with this guy. And he's just getting it done. I think uh, we need to to start spreading the gospel of, uh, of Stephen Kwan a little <laughs> bit more to, uh, to everybody out there uh, and, and make him one of those front runners so that when MLB Network tweets their uh, their their stuff, they they include him as well. I think it's actually pretty insulting that they didn't include him uh, mm. uh, in, in that in that you know sort of breakdown. But you know, that's what are you going to do? I think the doing?
1: whole you know the whole Cleveland team has uh, been overlooked, Joe. I think uh, people were, you know kind of relegated them to uh, you know the second division once the season started, and they really haven't. They aren't convinced they're for real, so maybe right. maybe that hurts them too. But you know, and like just to add on to Quan, I mean, he you know he's a two way player too. Right. I mean, he plays a great left field. He's you know he throw he has a he's thrown a bunch of people out at the plate. You know, this is, a good, this is an all-around player.
0: Uh, as Speaking of throwing guys out at the plate, good segue, Hoinsie. Uh Austin Hedges uh, found out that he has been fined an undisclosed amount uh, by Major League Baseball for uh, his comments following the loss to Detroit on Tuesday uh, in which he uh, was ruled to have blocked the plate on a slide by Javi Baez. Uh, Hedges... Uh, tacked the the uh the letter from uh, Major League Baseball's on-field director Michael Hill uh to the locker uh after he received it so pretty much everybody knew it uh what do you take away from you know hedges position on this uh display and this fine
1: well i think you know i think uh, obviously i i tried to talk to him sunday he wouldn't comment on it so it's probably an issue that he you know <laughs> he'd like to move to the back burner, but I don't think it's going away, Joe. I think this is, you know, this is an issue. Baseball is going to have to, you know, uh, address, uh, you know, they sent, uh, you know, according to ESPN, you know, earlier this month, uh, the, you know, uh, MLB sent, you know, memos out to all the teams, you know, redefine, you know, explaining the rules, you know, because a lot of, a lot of teams had asked for clarity. There's been, uh, Eight, seven uh, plays reversed at the plate the most since uh, 2014 when the, when the rule was instituted uh, we saw one in Cleveland here and uh, you know, it's just uh it's a hard rule to interpret, I think. And uh, it's a, I think it's a hard rule just uh, for catchers to come to grips with there. You know, there, if you get, if the ball beats the runner to the plate, you know, the guy sh- probably should be out, but you know now you've you've got you have to give the runner a lane and you know that hasn't been happening or at least in the, in the eyes of uh, MLB and the uh, and the umpires that hasn't been happening and that's why we've seen so many rule you know plays uh calls reversed at the plate
0: right and you know the the umpires on the field seem to be doing their job the ball beats the runner the the tag is applied they call him out And it's the, it's the review. It's the, the replay, I think, which is sort of, you know, bothering so many of these catchers is, you know, they do what they need to do on the field. They get the call that they they're used to getting, uh, you know, they run off the field and then all of a sudden they've got to put their gear back on and head back out there because, uh, you know, somebody, uh, 2000 miles away is, is making a, a judgment and a call on that. So, uh, yeah i there's got to be a way to to tinker with this rule or change it to 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 sort of you know not have that feeling of something being taken away from you or given to another team uh by somebody who's not even involved in the game at at, at the moment so uh you know whatever that is we'll we'll leave that up to the rules committee to to sort of take a look at
1: yeah well, my problem with the joe is you know, if the umpires on the field are making the call one way, why aren't, you know, and they, you know, they know the rule too. Then why aren't they making it? So the, you're saying they're making the wrong call, right? Well, if they,
0: if so, they call
1: the guy out at the plate, they they, they don't know the rule
0: either. Is, well, that, is
1: that what we're saying? They're saying?
0: So if you're having that conversation, though, you know, they've got the earpiece and the microphone on the field. So they're, they're communicating with the, the individuals in, in New York. Why not them have be have them be part of the discussion on that call? I know that's not how replay works in the in major league baseball. once it goes to a replay official the the guys on the field really don't have any control over what the the call is going to be, but in this, don't you want their their input or their feedback on you know why they made the call or what they thought the play was I mean if they deemed that that hedges you know had if the throw had to take him into the runner then or or which I, I don't think was the case in this call, but, you know, if that were the case in another call, then why not be able to communicate that and say, that's, this is what I, I based my ruling on.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And there's just so many open questions on this thing around I answered questions that, you know, I, I really think it has to be addressed after the season
0: uh, and, you know, some clarity is definitely needed. Right. Uh, that Tuesday loss to Detroit uh, was the, the most recent start for, Zach Plesac, he was uh, scheduled to start again on Tuesday against his good buddy Mike Clevenger. Uh, another rematch uh, between the two of them. Uh, Clevenger had uh, made his return to the mound after Tommy John surgery uh, on May 4th uh, back earlier this year in Cleveland. And uh, it was the first game of a doubleheader, and the Padres won that game. Uh, the rematch was scheduled for uh, Tuesday night in San Diego. But with the uh, alteration to the schedule, Pleissack is actually getting skipped in the rotation this time. He won't pitch again until uh, the Guardians wind up in Seattle over the weekend. Uh, Aaron Savali will now pitch against Clevenger on Tuesday night.
1: Yeah, you know, everything that could go wrong has gone wrong for Polisak this year. You know, no offense, he gets that catcher's interference or the you know the blocking the plate call. <laughs> Tuesday night, they've got to go back out on the, fir- on the field to get the, the second, third out of the inning. It turns into a three run inning for uh, the Tigers, you know, so this guy has just been kind of snake bit and hopefully maybe he gets a little extra time here to, you know, catch his breath, uh, work on some things and, uh, you know, just, uh, and, and then when he, he'll start uh, this coming weekend in Seattle and, and, you know, put, put
0: a good six, seven, eight innings together. Yeah, it's uh, you know, and he he's got he's out there grinding. You can tell there are times there are stretches within these starts where he's got it locked in and he's all right. It's just you know it seems to be like one moment from from start to start where the wheels fall off and and you know everything goes wrong and you know the this is not a team that's built right now to recover from things like that offensively to to sort of help him. So uh, that's where we are with the rotation. Uh, we will be back uh, again uh, tomorrow uh, as uh, we we prepare for uh, a late night game, a couple of a uh, couple of late games, couple of actually day games uh, on a West Coast trip. So uh, you get Wednesday and Thursday our um our early games here in Cleveland as opposed to having to stay up late on uh, on school nights. I know kids are going back to school so uh the, a chance to see the guardians play while they're on the west coast.
1: Yeah, that's nice, Joe, definitely. And uh you know, this is going to be a good test for uh the guardians. San Diego is uh, you know, this uh second wild card in the National League and uh Seattle is uh, you know, one of the top 3 wild card teams in, in the American League. So, you know, uh, they're going to face some good good opposition and uh we'll have to see how they come out of this.
0: Yeah, uh, I, I believe Cal Quantrill and Yu Darvish uh, matching up in the second game uh, on Wednesday in San Diego. So uh, we will check back in with you again, Hoinsie, uh, from the road, and uh, we'll catch you on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. All right, Joe.